Okay, good evening, gentlemen. So, I think I decide for the next couple weeks uh, before Hanukkah to do the Sila Shalom, and then we're going to come back to Lush. But there's really not a time to do Hanukkah, and they make a drush up, but, but the Hanukkah, I've said this before, is, is, is a Yom Tif of the Gullus, and we in particular need that. I just, I, it's not a day. And I, I'm not saying this for naught, where I don't meet a person who I look at them or their children as in tremendous danger. And the dangers today in America are quite similar to the dangers of uh, Yavon and Greece not that long ago. And, I don't know, I, I personally look at some of these Jewish magazines and newspapers, and um, I think <laughs> that even in the most religious of circles, there's plenty of uh, Greek, Greek uh, influence or American culture in, in, our, in our case. And we need for ourselves um, to understand what Hanukkah is and is not and to, to take advantage of it because Hanukkah is one of these yantas where it could be... Pesach is very hard. You have a Seder. Very hard to completely miss the boat. Yom Kippur, very hard to completely miss the boat. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, very hard to completely miss the boat. Mm. Purim, there's a lot of mitzvahs in the day. There's Megillah, it takes a long time. You have to have a Su'udah, a little bit easier to miss the boat, but still pretty hard to miss the boat. Hanukkah, for some people, it's a 60, cents, 60 second lighting and a lot of weight gain if they're going to some parties and having uh, potato latkes and cheese. Does your wife have potato latkes and cheese? She'll have potato latkes. And we might have cheese, but not on the same night. Not on the same night, okay. Uh, so she won't be gaining all that weight. But for ourselves, really, Hanukkah is a yumtiv where we can light up the night and light up our souls. So I, I, I just I have a whole safer, interesting, the Siva Shalom, it's not in the, the Chalakim that originally were published. I, I don't remember who gave this to me, uh, but it was published in Tavshin Samach Aleph after a contrast of Vadim on Hanukkah. That he put out, so you can. I, I, I imagine you can buy it, but I haven't really seen it for sale. Someone gave it to me as a gift. So I, I today I opened it just to see what I want to speak about, and I opened to this. So I said, "This is what we speak about." Saloma Astim Veloga Altim Lachalaisam. We know in Bichukoyisla Hashem says that I won't despise you, and you won't be so despicable that I'll destroy you. Um, to, to, to nullify my bris with you, I am the Lord your God. I will not, I will not look at you as disgusting and let, let you completely go. In the days of the, of the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. Daniel, during that time in the Babylonian captivity, where it was so awful, where it was the first time, you know, we had left Mitzrayim, we had left with miracles, we had a base, we had, we were in, we had a Mishkan for hundreds of years, for 480 years, we had, we had a base of Migdash for 410 years, and you would have imagined, um, you would imagine after almost a thousand years of, of having Hashem, getting nationalist freedom, Having Hashem, having a Mishkan, having an Aaron, having Hashem's presence, and now the base of Megiddo was destroyed. We were in Babylonia. Nebuchadnezzar was all powerful. Oh, how would we have felt? 
and we didn't know what the future would bring at that point. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no track record. Like today, unfortunately, we're used to call us. <laughs> we're, for us, Mashiach is, is a word. I mean, if you really think of how many of us today believe Mashiach should and could have come tonight, I'm like, honestly, we'll be ready for Mashiach to come tonight. I, I'd wonder. So Hashem says, lo, 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 I gave you in Babylonia at that moment of, of tremendous, uh, uh, of uncertainty, Daniel, Hanani, Mishal, Vazaria. Leaders who are miracles, who are exemplars, to say that you are not forsaken. And by the way, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the end of Sanhedrin, the Sukkim also, and more than one say for Tanakh, talks about that the, the original feeling that they expressed to Yermiah, to Daniel, was, was that they were, they were forsaken. There's no hope for us. We're, we're, we're husbands. And Hashem says, no. Veloga Altim, Yavanim, in the days of the Yavanim, <laughs> When we're, we were under tremendous pressures, you know, Alex is a miracle. Tomorrow night we're going to have an amazing speaker, Rabbi Katzin, who stood up to Mother Russia. You know, you see a person like Alex, here is a miracle, you know what the communists did to Jews? It's Oyem Venera, there's no religion, no God. God was mocked at. Now, you think this, Rachmanotan, do you know? <laughs> we see Russian Jews today who are over 65, 70. Unfortunately, they're children, and you think you see that these Jews are assimilated. They don't know Hashem. <laughs> they don't know Aleph or Bayes very often. I honestly, when I deal with Russians who are older, they're the most cynical about not just Yiddishkeit but about religion. Russia, Russia, in, in 1910, Minsk was a city that Rabbi Aaron Cutler came from, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky came from, Ruben Gazovsky came from. There was tens of thousands of Chabad Jews. There, there was cities around white Russia that were places of Torah, what, what we call Russia today, many of the Jews are Ukrainian, or city, coming from the cities of Torah. Could you imagine today if communists would take over Lakewood or Borough Park? Could you imagine what that would be? That's what happened in certain communities. And they end up knowing nothing. That, when you would have a modern day example of the Greeks, it would have been in communist Russia. And in those days, there were, you know, the Chavetz Chaim lamented that they, they didn't declare Shmad. What happens when, when the Russia, when the communists took over Lithuania, uh, uh, the parts of Russia, like Mir, was in the part of they escaped. They moved. All, they, 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 uh, Lakewood was originally in Kletsk, originally in Slutsk, and they went to Kletsk. They moved. So the Chavetz Chaim said, "We should have stayed and fought the Russians, fought them spiritually." You mentioned that. What happens if you fought Stalin? Would you be success? Would you be scared to fight Stalin? And calls Moses. So, so, could you imagine? Could you imagine? That's the story of Hanukkah. Do a bunch of Jewish yeshiva kids taking on Greece, taking on Greece, which is a lot longer than Stalin in Russia, by the way. A bunch of yeshiva. Lo lo altim. I gave you Shimnat Sadik, Matisel Khan Gadol, the Khashmanayan sons who stood up not to Mother Russia, but to to uh, an all powerful Greece. Um the Khalaisam then he says is Bime Haman, Shamati Lahem, I give you Mordechai and Esther <coughs> to take over um the the Persians. Shamati uh, Lahem um, and Shamati Laham is 
days of Beis Rebbe, Chameyadurus, Shebechol Dur, you should know. There's two things. In every generation, is it, you know, the, uh, I've heard some Kama, Kama Gedolim. You know, when we read history books, we always say, oh, that, America in 1920, what was the big test for Jews in America? In 1920? Shabbos. Shabbos, and what else? Jewish education. Hmm. Oh, not, almost everyone who considered themselves Orthodox or practiced and not in their kids at Jewish school. And it was financial. It was worried about, and it was really the same test as Shabbos. It was worried about they will not get a career to make it. So they sacrificed their kids, Yichruchnius. So in America, if they don't put their kids in the, in the school system, they'll never make it in America. So Shabbos, they have to work on Shabbos. And when you learn about Russia, it's one test, and there's poverty here, and there's communism. But every generation, our generation today in America, every generation has something they have to fix. Not just individual fixes, but the Gansador, the whole generation, now, it's hard for us to look at what it could be. It could be our, our adventure, well, I'll tell you soon, our adventure, but I'd say off the cuff, the internet and, and time today, you know, look back at after 120 years, I was going to say, how much time did you give, did I give you and what did you do with it? Every generation has something to fix. No, how many? How old is the internet before Al Gore invented the, the cell phone? <laughs> Twenty years ago, right? How long is how, how long is a smartphone? Thirteen years old, ten years, twelve years old. It's like today you can't you can't imagine without it. So you think to what is the test today? Not the only test. So just like every generation, every generation has a, a test that's miyuchad. Every generation has. Uh, a klipos fadinim hashaykhim oisador has the 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 uh, challenges uh, and people who are out there to, to to attack us and destroy us. So they have, there's a challenge to overcome for us, but there's also enemies, enemies, enemies. B'mei kazdim it was a kazdim the yivan mezivan the the haman is a parsaim v'choldor v'dor kon kama klipo. Klipo of course is a negative spiritual. Amay emes lachalas. That's there to destroy Klal Yisrael. That's that's there to to literally destroy. In our generation, there's there is forces that want us not to be here. That it, it's bothered that we're sitting in a room today. If we would be doing this at the time of the Greeks, you know what happened to us? Killed. How about in Russia, Alex? Nineteen seventy. Can we do this? What we're doing right now? No way. Right now, yes. What? Right now, yes. No, today, yes. I'm saying nineteen seventy. Not openly. No way. Going to a shoal, going to the Torah. Maybe people, maybe, maybe we're, it could be the Russians are spying on us here too, but you never know. But uh, it would be, it would be, it would be thrown to Siberia. What we're doing today could never have been done. So we think today in America, we're safe. We're good. No one, no one wants to hurt us. And if we do, we have, we have a, a police force. Oh, we're not talking about physical necessary. Spiritually. I mean, the main part of Russia was it destroyed Russian Jewry. The part of the Greeks is it took away Lakewood and Borough Park and Yerushalayim and made Athens out of them. It destroyed them. Like when you think about today, a, a Jew who broke Shabbos in 1920, many of their children are Episcopalians and Catholics. <laughs> the same thing as time the Greeks. Many of these Misyavnim, their children were Greek. They, they, they were lost. We need to know today. Who 
They know what every generation needs to, to be fixed. And it bothers me to no end. You meet Jews today who have no shaykhs, no Orthodox Jews, I'm not talking about that. No connection to Torah and to G'daylim and to sages. It's like they're on their own. Uh, this is the schus of every generation. In the Galhus, we were going to be under attack. Not just physical attack, spiritual attack. What Chazal tell us, who saves us? It's, it's our Chachamim. They come there to destroy us. In particular, Chazal, by the way, Chanukah and Purim, who, who, who decreed Chanukah and Purim? Who decreed? Who decreed them? Where they come from? Sages. The sages themselves. Right? The Sanhedrin decreed Chanukah, and Sanhedrin decreed uh, Purim under the advice of Mordechai and Esther. Um, to give us light, it's Cheshchas Hagalas, through the darkness of exile. And exile does not mean, uh, uh, unfortunately, in Yerushalayim or HaKadosh, on top of the base, uh, where the base of Migdash is, there's a mosque, and a few hundred meters away, there's churches that, that Gayim hold in the highest up as the, the centerpieces of the religion, <laughs> within meters of the base of Migdash. <laughs> you can't walk in parts of East Jerusalem. Other parts of East Jerusalem, the, the people are Machal Shabbos. They don't know. They don't know what Shabbos is. We're in Shtar Galus. <laughs> of course, it's much better to be in Israel and Yerushalayim. No question. But wherever you are in the world, it's Galus. And there's dangers in Yerushalayim, like there's dangers in San Jose in New York. You know, the greatest challenge for you and I is we don't acknowledge the challenge. If we think we're good, the minute we rest on our laurels, it's when it's when the HRK owes us. But we think, oh, we've made it, or we're comfortable. And that the Shmatasel Khan Gadol and the Bonav Yatslum Khalma Mysterious Nefesh, they went out. That's what the Chavitz Chaim was saying, by the way. Had they went out and fought communist Russia, they may have been able to overtake it. We should have made Nefesh. We should have stayed there and fought because that's what the Maccabees did. <laughs> we, you know, when you hear the story of the Maccabees, my little kids come back and speak of the Jew the Maccabee. Maybe some of them learn, learn it, but most of them learn he was killed and his brother was killed and many other Chashmonayim were killed fighting the Greek. It wasn't like they sat there and no one was killed. People, people were killed fighting them, but they, they were successful. Yeah. We don't have a good track record historically of resisting the Galleon. Why would we think that in this generation or in 1970 in Russia that we could suddenly fight them and be successful? So we say, it's a good question. Well, I think we're here because of the successes. The, the failure is not was not, at that point, dominion and autonomy. It was ability to keep our faith. It was the ability to keep our faith. In America, we call it religious liberty. We weren't there to... And, and again, even in this country, there are people who want to take that away from us. Whether um, bris milah, there are people, uh, the ability to decide what marriages are in Orthodox 
in certain places. I mean, there's a lot of people. It's not we're not far from that, but there are there are certain forces in this country who will be very happy to destroy religion. Period, uh, and and have no affinity to us. It's, it was our success rate is that we're here today, is that you could have a Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky or a last generation just a few years ago, a Rabbi Yosher, a Rabbi Yosef, who knew all of everything in this room cold, and had hundreds of thousands. How were they there? I mean, they, 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 that was supposed to have been destroyed by the Greeks, and by the Romans, who who not just by by the Titus and later Hadrian or Trajan or, Trajan or Hadrian. But by Justinian in the sixth century, tried to crush Judaism throughout the Byzantine Empire. So, the reason we're here is because we had leaders who are willing to be most enough to do it. When we talk about surviving in the Gullus, it's not just, of course, we would love, like to have autonomy, but it's to be today full fledged Jews as Jews today. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're giving me this look. Because <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not, not the. The practical application is, is to be able to live a full-fledged Torah life. Some is it's from external forces, and some is enough forces to do anything. But the culture is so dominant that it affects who we are. And some we should strive for that. It just seems we haven't been too successful, a big successful in that goal over the last. I guess since time plan to come in, it seems that we've been there's been oppressive regimes throughout our whole history, which have obviously <coughs> resisted any attempt by ours to try and overcome them. I know we've died for that. So why would we think that, that now, today, if we decided to kind of rise up... Oh, you mean to, 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 to... Well, I think today, the mysterious nefesh, we don't, we, we, at least where we are today, here, and Israel, very few Jews have that test that they had in communist Russia. But if that is what you had to do, we don't have to do that. But when we have to do that, if we really did that, well, then we'd have Seth of the Shmaya. If we'd have the courage to do that... We'd have Seattle the Shmaya. So we don't have the courage. You know, just tonight I was learning um, with my little son Shlomo. You know, talking about miracles. I'm learning with my five year old son Shlomo today. I love my children. This is just right now. I was learning this through tonight. So I was learning the story of Gidon. And Gidon fought against the Midianites. And they had 300 soldiers fighting against 300,000 soldiers. And because Hashem told him, don't take such a big army. Because you'll, you'll say it's your army, and then the ones who look at the warder bowing down, he didn't take. The ones who scoop the warder up, he did take. And he, they had a, they, the Hashem made a miracle, and the Midianites thought that a, a huge army was hard to get them, and they ended up fighting amongst themselves, and hundreds of thousands died, and there were 15,000 left, and they ended up chasing after these 15,000 people. And they came to the town of Suk- Sukkos, which is in the Jordan, which is on the other side of the Jordan. Um, or by the border of Jordan, that's where Yaakov would come in. And he said, give us bread. It was a Jewish city. We need to still fight two more of these princes. There are 15,000 troops left, and they're, they're, they're still fighting against the Jews. We need bread, give us bread. And the people of Sukkot refused to. Why? Because they said, you're only 300 soldiers. We don't believe you'll be successful. And they refused to give them bread. They refused to give them bread because they were worried that these Midianites would find out and kill them instead. And Gidon told them, you don't believe that 300 people of Hashem's on our side can win? When we get back from the Midianites, we're going to kill you. <laughs> because you, you have no faith. Now, and that's what happened, by the way. I didn't get, Shlomo, my five-year-old, didn't learn that tonight. I'll get that tomorrow. I'll get that the conclusion tomorrow. Right? But you know, as I said, it's not, I'm teaching my five-year-old son that story. That's our story. <laughs> so, you know, if we really had the faith, 
I, I don't think anyone is a surprise today. I'm not, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not a national religious Zionist, but I, what I do have utmost respect for at some at some level, you know, the people who built Israel. I think there were a lot of problems religiously, but it was built with faith. <laughs> you, they took on the world. I mean, it didn't make sense. You know, my, the criticism I would have is religious issues are, are, are real, uh, and unfortunately, I can punch a lot of holes in it for that reason. But certainly, a sanctuary it is. Certainly, a, a lot of pluses it is. But what I'm inspired by is that a few Jews who believed in themselves and believed in something more than that were able to do that. I mean, against all odds. <laughs> to this day. Now, you know, uh, against all odds. I mean, it's mamish, an unbelievable thing. So why would we be religious Zionists? What? Why would we not be religious Zionists? Why would we not be spreading throughout the whole land and complete amuna that... That's a great question. And I'm, oh, I, I will take that question, <laughs> but not tonight. Uh, uh, you know, not tonight. Um... I, I, it's, it's actually I, I, the differences are not that great, but there are, there are certain differences. I'm I'm not Thatmer, so I, I, I but as you know, uh, but but there are there are it's, it's the focus of what, what what is and what's not. That's not for tonight. My only point is I wasn't just coming to talk about Zionism or the pluses, the minuses, but here you have a few Jews, really declare a state against all odds. It was suicidal, essentially suicidal. If we would do that religiously. You know, we would have Siat Adeshmaya. Right? We really have... And, and again, we're not kamikazes. You know, when, when, they, when they rebelled against the Romans, Chacham told them not to do it. It was, the, it was the Zealots who did it. It was not the Chachamim. And what happened? We didn't have time. We were punished. We, did, we, got, we, got, we, were, we were not at the level. And we, she said, live with it. You, know, there's, you could still live as a Jew this way. So it's not that at all times, but it's crushing our Judaism. You know... I heard, I heard, uh, again, I'm, I, all these topics, I'm, I'm not doing full justice, but if I, I heard a good daily Torah in New York, tell the, the parents, no kids, internet, it just doesn't go. And if you're going to say to be successful in the world today, you need the internet, you're making a mistake. You're going to damage your kid's spirituality. It's, you, just like you would not give a, a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid car keys and say, go drive. You, you would not get, and so there are people who feel it's impossible not to. I, I my, my kids, by the way, some of them, it's impossible. Actually, in school, it's over here, impossible. But it, you, there is a certain level of you feel like you can't get away from something. You need to do something, and and, and really, the question for us is if, it, if it's is do we really need to do certain things that are bad for our duties? I'm not saying the internet. I'm like I'm just giving an example. Okay, we think we need to do something. And if it's really bad for us, we don't need to do that. Right? If it's really not good for our neshama, we don't need to do that. Again, in 1920, the, if you would have spoken to people in any Orthodox shul in Brooklyn, there would be people in any Orthodox shul in Brooklyn and Manhattan who say you have to work on Shabbos. Impossible. Now, there were a few individuals in those shul, shuls who said, no, you don't have to do this. But we know the vast majority of people worked. And they went to shul in the morning, Orthodox shuls, and they went to work. What percent of them didn't work? There's a few in each shul. What percent of those people in those shuls put their kids into yeshivas or day schools? So a very few people. I was like, no, in America, you know, to told when there's hair going in my hand, there'll be yeshiva in America. This is how people, that's everyone. And I'm telling you today, when I mentioned the internet, people talk today, you can't live without it. And I'm not saying not to have it at all. I think it's like a car. I, look, I view the internet as a car. It's a tool, a dangerous tool. You need stop signs, you need limits, you need to put on a seatbelt, <laughs> you, need, 
You can, I'm not even talking about looking at, at things which are awful for our soul. I'm talking about waste of time. I'm talking about gossiping. I'm talking about reading things which which, which people should not be reading. Uh, getting the wrong ideas. I mean, I, I'm just using as an example of things that when you, when you talk to a person today, religious people, Orthodox people, pay us. They pay us. Uh, you can't live without this. You can't live without this. And if it's pulling you down, you can live without it. Again, I, I don't. I I I, 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 have a, I use the internet. I'm not, I'm not coming to. Uh, I, I wouldn't want the wrong people using. I think there's got to be limits. But it's the it's the it's the, it's the mind frame. You can't you understand what I'm saying. It's the culture that you must do this. You need to do this, and it, you need to do things which take you away from Hashem. And Hashem gives us in every generation the ability to, to do this. In the Hanukkah and Purim, it was in, in the Hanukkah was an ace because the Matisyalnu sons who stood up. Purim was an eighth. Why? They started to cry out with Mordechai. They started to cry. Whenever there's a Kayachara, it's not exactly the same. It was Matisyao, the Kongal, and the sons, that they could not just beat Yom, and they had to do it through Mochama. And Mesir Sevens, they had to actually give up their lives. What's more, you know, in the you know, when you have a Kayan, actually, it was the Kohanim in Hanukkah who stood up for, they gave up their lives for Torah. It's, like, it's the Kohanim when you have a firstborn son. What do they say to the father when he takes the silver coins? Ma ba'itvei. What's more important to you, the money or your child? What's more? What is? What's? What is your essence in life? How are you going to raise this kid? What's more valuable to you? You know, in the time of the Crusades, when they were forcibly baptizing kids, there were Jewish mothers, a Yiddish mama, filled with rachamim, filled with mercy and love for their children, who, who slaughtered their children. Their children should not be taken and raised as Catholics. Without, not one or two. They, they shechted their kids, that they should not be taken, baptized, this is in the, in the 12th century, <laughs> in, in, in Germany and France. Because that's what's happening. Would you rather your kid be a Catholic, or would you rather him die al Kiddush Hashem as a Jew? We should never have these tests. But we do. <laughs> it's just, we don't have to give our physical life today. You, know, you have to be able to give up, you know, for some people, a little bit of money, that your kid should have a good Jewish education, push off the career sometimes, should go to yeshiva, don't have unfiltered internet in your house, which anyone could use at all times of the day. Maybe not to have a smartphone. And if you do have a smartphone, to have a kosher phone. You need, I, I, you need to have everything. I'm not talking about you. You have kids, yourself. I, I'm not joking. There are people in the show who have come to my office and told me, look at the pornography. How was it worth actually looking at pornography? How was it worth it? filth. You know, it's, it's like taking chazer and eating it. Eating pig. If I see a Jew coming, walk into shul and a pig coming, burping from pig, yeah, burping from pornography. And if you don't, you don't, you don't think the people who are not doing that are seeing and reading stories, which are crazy stories. Do you need to do? We push it. People feel like they have to do this. Watch movies and entertainment, which are push it bad for the neshama, because all of you know. The greatest danger is that we think things are impossible or, or this is just the way it is. Because that was what, you know, Alex, 
you know, I, I, I would say, if I ever met, the, the, probably to this point, Mendelovich, the man, the, you read his book. I was, we heard when he came? Arlene just read it. We should have been here to meet him. Unbelievable. He did it. There are other people. Zilber did it in Russia. Huh? In Russia. You know why? Because I'm not judging any Russian Jew who did it. But <laughs> we, he was in their source. You know, Rabbi Yaakov said these people's source married that they went out. Russia fell. You know, Russia imploded. If you would have asked anyone in 1978 that in 1988 Russia would be gone, did you go to the Russia would be gone? As you, you're sorry. U.S. is our star. Do you have any inkling? You were living there in 1978, right? You left in 1980. Okay, in 1980 when you left, did you think it was going to just disappear as a communist? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. It was eight years later. And when Yaakov said it was going to be, it was Schwab, and Yaakov wasn't didn't see the full thing because it was already, because of this. So, um, so the Yavon had to give up the, the Purim, where it was very bizarre. It was not. You couldn't fight anymore. Then the the major fight um, was to daven to Hashem. When you can fight in this world, but when the Gezeira was there, it was to literally cry your head off and daven. The whole whole door of a door, and every generation and ours and our generation, we have forces that want to pull us away from Torah and mitzvahs, pull us away from Nitzach Nitzachim, Olam Haba, Eternity. And it, it may be a little bit satisfied if it loses a little bit that everyone should be in a low bar, low grade, and that your children should be even less chasa or grandchildren. Every generation, ha'isegula or bedrachim acher, and there's different ways if they get it. Mitzrayim, if they, uh, the Torah says, when did they, when, when, what, what was the changing point? Vayitzak, they cried. Vinitzak el Hashem, they cried out to Hashem, v'yishmas kolinu, v'ilu achar kach yam. By the Yam, they had a new test. Hashem says, Matitzika like, jump into the river, jump into the sea. Shatafkin Atta, now it's that Saka, jump in, go. Vyata, Hatafkin Likras Gazera, you have to show a moon of Bitochon at this point. Hayam Mysterious Nefesh, you know, we, I'm honestly, we're in cruise control in America. I live in Lakewood, it's in cruise control. Uh, good Jews there, amazing people. It's a popular It's cruise control. I look in the mirror. Amazing yeshiva. It's crucial. I'm not joking. Uh, there are individuals, of course, who are mamish tzadiki, umas tzadiki, tzadiki oilam. But, uh... Well, what do you mean crucial? It means we're, we, we, live in a, uh, we live in a very small bubble of what we believe, what we could do, what we should do. Mm-hmm. And we, we assume everything in the world is going to dictate us our parameters. Do you see what I'm telling you? What we could accomplish is based on what the world lets us. Even if things are not good for us, or, or, or slowly, like the frog in the hot water, the water is getting hotter and hotter, we, as long as we're still in the water, we're not burned to death, we're able to do it. So it sounds like you're saying we don't challenge ourselves enough. We don't believe in ourselves enough. <laughs> Our challenges, we think we're challenging ourselves, but we live in such a, you know, it's like in a little cave. You know, like that we, we, we think it's possible. You, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago the Chazanish, when the Rebbe Lawrence came to Bnei Brak the first time, he said the Chazanish, he went to, to the Shminyan, he's such a nice davening. So the Chazanish told Rebbe Lawrence, it was in, I think, 1938, 1938 Bnei Brak, he said, 
if they're nice daveners, but in the future, B'nai Barak will be a city of Torah. Which means, B'nai Barak in the beginning, before the Chazanish, you know, you have a low bar. You know, you could have a shoal somewhere in America. You go to the shoal, and they think they're the top of the world. They don't know, no one learns. Why do they think they're the top of the world? Because that's their expectation of themselves. Another shoal, they learn Dafyaimi. That's Taka very good. But so, and if, and, and if all you see is Dafyomi, that's you'll think it, that's what it is. And then you go somewhere else and learning four hours a day. <laughs> and in the four hours a day, they think, oh, I'm amazing. But they don't realize that there are, there are people who are learning four hours a day and Dafyomi. Like, we just, we live in a bubble. That we think what we are is great. Or we're pushing ourselves in that circle. Like, Jonathan Rosenblum, when he's here in Noah Weinberg, when he, that notebook of Noah Weinberg comes out, I'm with Noah Weinberg, that's all. Oh, yeah. You know why? We have Noah Kleinberg. He's a man who said, today it's, it's I think, about at least 20% American Jews Orthodox. Halakhically, it's probably more. You know, because, yeah. Cause when you talk about Halakhic Jews, when they talk about Jews today, a lot of them are not Halakhic Jews. Uh, but you know, whether it was 80% or 85% or 90% when he was alive, you know, how many people thought you can change that? We accept that millions of Jews will be Mechal Shabbos, including some of our relatives. <laughs> and we don't think we can change that. Or we don't even try to change that. And, if, and we don't believe we can change that. So, and, and I say, Kushkin, we all live like that way. We accept this. We accept that Jews will intermarry. We accept Shabbos. You know, I remember the first time, as a, I don't remember, as a little kid, somebody told me that, a, a Jewish family like that book, Shabbos, I was so surprised. I was probably seven or eight years old. I didn't know what it meant. I said, I know what you're saying. And, and, and I said to him, why are you breaking Shabbos? Because they don't keep the Torah. I, I don't remember anyone trying to make car of that family. I lived this when I, was, I moved out of that block when I was 11. to Miami Beach. I was in North Miami Beach. But, you know, I, again, I was only seven years old or whatever it was. But I, it was accepted. That family breaks Shabbos. And we accept things for ourselves. <laughs> we accept, you see know what I'm saying? We live in a little bit... And that, that's the, and when I see mishpacha, these pesa, I don't, I'm not going to pesa for treats or chocolates or ice creams or this or Ami or Ami, all these magazines. Or, you know, like, all the gosh, when they get in the world. He's like, this is Mama's Greek. Even now, actually, I tell you, my favorite yogurt's Greek yogurt. <laughs> but, but you know how Greek yogurt, say every, every, every time, I've never seen so many advertisements for Greek yogurt. And all its flavors and, with chocolate, and they have pictures of the chocolate dripping down. Do you think the Chavetz Chaim looked at that? Like the chocolate just oozing down? Oozing? Who are my stories with Arnold Steinman on Sunday morning? You're there, I spoke with Arnold Steinman. Maybe after I'll tell the story. I'm going to make sure I finish. Um, the man never tasted ice cream in his life. <laughs> I don't want to say, I, I have ice cream, by the way. I'm not against it. But I have to make pictures of. If I would go to a rabbi, if you would walk into a, a Chaim Kessie's wall and you would see pictures of ice cream on his wall and steaks and uh, Pesach and the Bahamas, or, you th- is that you think you see Chaim Kessie's wall or Vadius Ramesh Fahim's wall? Nick, this is what they're showing you and I. This is the messaging that we're getting in Orthodox circles. Not bad people. And that's okay. And if I said this in some places, they think I'm a radical fanatic for saying this. You out of your mind? Maybe for that people, but maybe I'm, saying, I'm, not, I'm not such a canai. Um, it pays the bills. What? No, no, it's the world that we live in. It, 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 you know, the advertisements work because that's what we want to hear. Mm. You know, 
I was once reading an article, uh, a contrast that someone put out about a leadership vacuum. This is important for life, by the way. A leadership vacuum. And all these articles about why people aren't following, you know, why there, there's not enough leadership in the Jewish world today. We need more leaders. And Rabbi Saul Miller, who came here many years ago, he said, we don't have a leadership problem. We have a followership people. There's not leaders because no one wants to be a follower today. <laughs> no one wants that. You understand? That's why he's not from the Hasidic world. It's not, it, it, you won't have a shul, maybe the shul is maybe different, where there are people who want to follow. You can't have a leader if you have no followers. Understand? So the magazines are just catering to what people want to hear. What people want to read. They want to read about, they, they don't, they, this is what they want to say. And even the, the learning in Torah, it's like, if they have a, a Kuntras, a friend of mine put out a, 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 a magazine called Kuntras. More of my family friends, a couple of years younger than me, because of a guy from Lakewood. Very close to my wife's family. You think it, 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 it couldn't make it. And like real Torah articles, I, I get my house, Mishpacha and Hamadiyah and Bina. Oh, very cute, all very nice. I've written for some of them. But this couldn't make it because it's all people want. They want light, sensational stories with pictures of ice cream with, with an OU and five other Hachsherim on there so feel good about it. And I'm not enough, but, but And this is our reality. This is what we, who we are. And we think that we have... And that's cruise control. That's what I'm saying. Okay. We yeah. believe that we're in that world. And, and, but in every generation, it takes a different mysterious nefesh to get out of it. Um, when they're fighting Sancherev, Chizkiah said, I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to show it's all up to guy because you imagine Sancherev with hundreds of thousands of troops according to some Chazals, millions of troops outside Jerusalem, Sancherev. The Assyrian army is all powerful. Says, I can't do anything. I'm going to go to sleep and show it's all up to God. And I'll go, and I'll, I'll, on the next will come, and that night, Sancherev's troops got killed by the Malach, as you all know, and, and the Torah tells us. The Eitzel Esther, first she cried out, right, there was Sa'aka and Tzfilah, and then, when she was not answered, she, said, she went into, into Akashverosh, she said, and she went into Akashverosh, unannounced, which was a death sentence, which was her death sentence. It was liable for death. And she walked into Achashverosh's palace, saw the idols in the palace, and lost Ruach HaKadosh at that moment. Right? The Gemara of Megillah Tezvav said she lost, she thought her life was over. She had lost all feeling and connection to God. And she walked into a place of complete idolatry with a death sentence on her. God, why do you leave me spiritually? At the greatest moment of her life, a test, she did not feel God at that moment. You cried out, and she did both. She said, we cry out day and night, and we have bitachon, and I'm going to act in this bitachon. And that is it. In every generation, Yodim, what the ter- purpose is, how to get out of it. You don't always get what are they talking about, what are they doing. I know better. I, uh, unfortunately, today, uh, 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 a rabbi, uh, a friend of mine, is a rabbi in 
uh, in Irvine. His name is Rabbi Dov Fisher. Someone sent me an article that he wrote in the Jewish press. Rabbi Dov Fisher is, is Jonathan, a, a proud national religious Zionist in his own words. Uh, he's a serious Jew. And he, and he wrote this article about how when he went to Colombia in 1970, when he went to Colombia, that the average kid who would, average Jew was proud to be a Jew and proud of Israel, had to walk throughout, even if they were not religious. They would wear an Israeli flag. If there'd be a speaker, they would go to it. And today, if you go to Colombia, which is about a third Jewish, if you're not Orthodox, you would be embarrassed. You stay far away. You're attacked. You're vilified by Jew and Gentile. He, the speakers, so in his article really was that if you think your kids are going to come out normal out of these universities, out of Columbia, you're making a terrible mistake. You can't just put a Jewish kid, an Orthodox, an Orthodox kid in Columbia and think it's, you're gambling with your kid's life. You put a kid straight into a university like that? There are ways to do it. You live off campus. I, I went to uh, such a university to Penn and I see, I saw plenty of kids get destroyed spiritually. I see people so successful, but you, but you need to know it's a terrible test. And if we put, I went there, I was 28. I learned in Lakewood for several years. I, had, I got smicha my first year of law school. I was married with two kids. Okay, I was a little bit, I wasn't 18. I saw 18 year olds go there. I remember my first year of law school, I was saying Usher Yatzer. You know what I mean? I walk the black hat every day in the University of Pennsylvania. You walk in the black hat, then you'll be a pretty you're a good chance, you'll be fine. I was in the diversity brochure, brochure of the law school. I, I was like, I didn't, I didn't care. These guys walk with purple hair. I can't walk with a black hat. I was gonna, I wasn't, I was, I was brazenly Jewish there. Um, but I remember I was saying Asher Yatzer, and a guy walks by. He says, Oh, you just said Asher Yatzer. He's a 3L. I said, Oh, you know what Asher Yatzer This guy's not wearing an armor so he said, "Yeah." I said, "He said, went to a certain day school, yeshiva." So I asked someone, uh, "Where is this guy? I, I never met him before. Like, someone is great." I said, "Yeah, he's married to a shek, so. mm. You know, and this is like this guy. You know, he walks by Master Yatsu, knows exactly what he's doing. So his article was, "Are you out of your mind? Do you realize that, that they will get brainwashed? They're not getting education. They're getting propaganda in these universities. Most that's possible you get on any social issue." So you need to know that in every generation, if they might that fish. So if you're going to go to such university, you need to know what age you go, how you go, what you do, uh, proper precautions. He's, he was writing this for modern Orthodox families. <laughs> because, and you know what, and if you're, every, every community has their challenges. It's, it's also dangerous not to have any education. I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to knock on what the education but to not know the tests that are there, you're, 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 as an Orthodox Jew, you're, you're, you're walking to landmines. And the Gedolim, and these people think, I know better, oh, I'm going to send my kid, I'm going I'm to do this. You need to learn from the Chacham Adaris. And by the way, you meet Jews that, that, that connect to the Chavetz Chaim, and to the Shulchan Aruch, and the Ramon, you'd ask them, do you have any connection today to Gedolim Torah? I, I honestly believe it's Kedai to go to see Mashas, as I said this a few weeks ago. Forget the 95,000 people. Forget. Don't forget it. Forget the davening mincha with them in Marav with 95,000 people. Forget being in a place where 
thousands of people are finishing shots just to be in a stadium with G'dayli HaTayra. If I told you Moshe Rabbeinu would be there, wouldn't you go? So the Moshe Rabbeinu is the door there. They're not, they're not, they're not here. Hey, you go. I, I think it's Pasha the person goes. But there are people who have no connection to Torah. To ter- you met Shmuel Kamenetsky recently. Shmuel Kamenetsky, that's Sadik. He finished Shas as a kid. Not just a Sadik. I just read a story. Somebody said he went to Philadelphia. It's a story 20 plus years ago. He was giving a class on parenting in Torah Academy, which is a day school in Philadelphia. And he said, you know, if anybody is motivated and inspired by what I say today, my, t- my mother's telephone number is so-and-so. My father passed away a few weeks ago. I'll make her very happy if you call. If anyone has any inspiration, this is my mother's telephone. He spoke to his mother a day or two later. And his mother says, oh, I got one call about your speech. It's so nice. Not a call. And he said, oh, really? So, yeah, she said such nice things. I'm so proud of you. I said, oh yeah, who called? What was his name? And so I said, oh, his name is Shmuel Kamenetsky. <laughs> Shmuel Kamenetsky is the one person in the room. He calls up. That's a Shmuel Kamenetsky. And it's not an uncommon story, by the way. That's, that's his third kiss. You know, do you have a connection? to? Do we have a connection to Gedele? I'll tell you it all. Like, we think that we have... Okay, I don't... I, I, if you're a Svari today, Cham Kamavai has been dead in a few years. We have connections. That's a Shaykhis. And the most important thing, you know what, you know, you know why Gedolin sometimes they'll speak out about certain things? is because they believe in us and the cynicism. I'm not saying we need to fi- figure out who, we, who we're comfortable with. You know, I'm not going to any Chesedek Gadol. I can be for a bracha. I'm asking advice because it's not for me. I'm not, I'm not against. I don't think anyone here should. You know, I'm not against. If I would go, go to the Bells of Rebbe. If I have anyone, I have Shaykhs to Bells, I hold as a Gadol of Torah. But, so you don't have to go to someone who doesn't, doesn't relate to you. But you all have to have someone relate to in Galas and Torah. She ate to you, the Lokim Kim and sometimes they say things that you, what are you talking about? No, it's because they believe in us. You don't need to do this. You can live without this. You can push yourself harder. They're, they're the ones who see bigger. And there is a path of wherever we are, it's both the tfila and the pushing and the pushing as well. At all times and all generations. And to know that in every generation there are forces that want to pull us away from the high levels of Shemir's Torah and Mitzvahs. From living a rich Jewish life. A rich Yiddish life. A, a life of emunah and bitachon and passion and connection to Bari Olam and living like a Yid and not as a guy. Nothing wrong with Goyim, but we're not Goyim. Okay, uh, uh, and that no matter what, you can do it. It's 1920, you can keep Shabbos. Are you in Russia? You can do it. And there are people who did. The Indian base and the Hanukkah that's the essence of them. And that's that's not a message about Russia 1970, America 2020. That's us today. There are challenges that will challenge our Yiddishkeit in our generation and are. 
Matzav magrumi also even things that are very detrimental to the world and to Yiddishkeit. There is no giving up. There is no. There's no hope to be this way. There was a genocide. It was written. It was published. It was sent out. You couldn't break it, but they broke it with fast and, and prayers. That's what the Apostle says. Even when in the land of our enemies, when they the Sahara is dancing around, dancing around. You know, in America, in, in 1950, when Aaron Cutler started Kailo, the, the the average Jew in this country, if they kept Shabbos, was such a low level of Limonotara. It's not a joke. It took people to push people. You could do more. You could be more. You are more. And don't listen to the cynics. Don't say that America, you can't do this. There's no hope. Say Kaddish, you're not going to be able to do anything anymore. It's, it's over. Give up. Individuals as well. A person gives up. There is if a person wants to at any age, at any time, at any place, could connect to the Yibani Shalom in the most ways, and it's never hopeless. You just have to be able to, to, to tap in. And by the way, this is not Mandalovich. This is for you and me in this room today and anyone listening to this. We sell ourselves short and we live on cruise control because we view things as mission impossible. And we say, I'll never, honestly, look at yourselves in this room. None of us finish shots. There's no shots. There's no shots. No reason you can't. Pass the bar, by the way, recently. <laughs> Past California, how, how, how many years was the last time you took a bar? Forty. Forty years. It took a little studying? Yeah. You can learn shots. <laughs> Nothing less. That's not a joke. And you should learn shots. And you should learn shots. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't believe you can't. You should start that filming when it comes to brachas. You know, a king's son, a king's son, a king's son, is always a king's son. You know why you don't give up? Because you're still, a king's son is always a king's son. Um, that even if you're, you're, you're taken out of the palace, you know who you are. Not to give up, not to be complacent. Hashem should help us to, to be something, to do something. You know, to be a Mandelovich, Alex. Today, in America, to stand up to everything that tells you you can't do it. It's nicht for dir, not for you. No, I'm not done with you. Don't, don't, don't think you're scared. More and more base of Ram. What are you being quiet for? What are you being content for? What are you just living? No, he's, he's come a long way. Yeah. Don't think that's not time for cruise control. He works hard. 
Huh? He works hard. He has to expand his horizons, literally. Uh, Ma'betza, b'shtika b'ritza shachas. B'shtika b'ritza shachas. God says, any time there's a sakana, any time something's endangering us, physically or spiritually, it's not a time to say, to give up. It's not a time to be quiet. B'matza b'shtika al shachas b'shtika even if it looks like there's nothing I can, I just cannot do this. You know, if God forbid any of us wouldn't have a job, we'd be on the street, we'd look for any way to make money. Push ourselves. You know, look for people looking for a fool as they, they when God forbid someone's sick, they travel around the world sometimes. Because they, 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 they don't take no. And they'll cry out. You can't take no. Who has a sakana, a danger, doesn't cry. Not certain good if they don't know Toysavis, they feel like they're in sakana. That's the level they're on. It's actually a negative. You don't cry out, it's, 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 it's worse. How do you not cry out to Hashem? This is your time to cry. And if, you have, and if there is a, a, a spiritual danger that you're suffering with or reality, person who pulls his foreskin, which literally they cover up their breasts. The orla is meloshin item to cover them up. Is ba'atimoso ve'in sam alev. He's not putting the lev. Kasher Yehudi macho v'libo atumim. When a Jew's head and heart are closed. And he can't open his mouth with prayer in front of Hashem. You can't. When you, it's like you're coming up your Yiddishkeit. If when you're in spiritual danger, and you're when something's bothering you, if you have a boss at work who's bad for your spirituality, you have a neighbor. You're dealing with a person, a thing, a test, a challenge, a society, which is bad. You know, I remember when Proposition 8 was up here, I looked at it, and honestly, I, you know, some of the politics, I look at it, people think, oh, well, what am I solving for the government of Israel, or for um, whatever, uh, uh, certain things in this country, Supreme Court justice. I think it is, is Mamish. Ruchnius <laughs> affects Yiddishkeit, Judaism, nothing less. I mean, the world that we live in, and I'm going to dive in for that. But you know what? It's not the, it's not even the calculation that this affects my Judaism and every Jew's. If it affects my Judaism and your Judaism, can you imagine what it will do to a secular Jew? <laughs> what society is? You know what it does to them? If the government of Israel is atheistic and agnostic or not pro-Torah, you know what it does to the, to the secular in Israel? If, it, if it's bad for the Dati'im, the Haredim, the Khardalnikim, it's certainly bad for everyone. They may think it's great, by the way. They may dance in the street, but they're the biggest losers. Not me, not me, not you. They're the biggest losers. So, so, but you know what the crazy thing is? Something like, why are you going to die? But more than they, they don't believe Davin does anything. Of course you Davin. And if something's a danger to you and I in our generation, of course we Davin. And Davin means. We could change it. We could change it. And we could stand up to Rome. And we, Matasyahu and, 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 and Yehuda Maccabee, could stand up to Greece. And we could stand up to Russia. 
Because we could change it. Because if we need to change, Hashem will help us. And if we can't change it, it's worth to give up our life sometimes. Sometimes. Even a sigh, even a sigh, which, which you dominate, every sigh has a, has a spiritual benefit. That's what the Yom Tov of Hanukkah is. Really to see that when ne- Hashem never gives up on us. He gives us sages, He gives us opportunities, and we shouldn't give up on us. Hashem is lo chalisim lo ma'astim. He, in every generation, He gives us tests and challenges, but He also gives us hope and a way to beat it. Hanukkah is, celebrates a Yom Tov where a few Jews who are chalashim uma'atim, who were small, who were weak, stood up and beat a nation who wanted to destroy us spiritually. Hanukkah tells us that we need to stand up to things that hurt us spiritually. And if we do stand up, we'll beat it. Okay, hold on.